Check and make sure. Welcome in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao and Maurice Patton here with you on this Top Five Tuesday, and it's going to be a great day. We've got a lot to get to. A great show, jam packed with fantastic guests and plenty of topics in the sports world to talk about. And so, yeah, should be fun. Looking forward to it. I am. Um... I'm particularly looking forward to, in the next segment, um, picking the brain of Ohio Valley Conference Commissioner Beth DeBush, because they've got some interesting stuff going on on the gridiron right now. They really do, and, and, and it's certainly been a, a unique situation for, for them and, and others. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, the... I guess the A sun or whatever it was and now isn't. I mean, it's just, it's been a weird year in FCS for, for some scheduling slash conference alignment. So mm-hmm. curious to see how that came about and, you know, how it's going from their perspective. So yeah, it's going to be a good time talking with, with her. We'll also talk with Max hers as the, Predators are up in Vancouver, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Lankinen is in goal tonight. Uh, per Willie Donick's tweet 30 minutes ago, he's in the starter net during the morning skate. So one would assume he's going to be starting tonight. So would, would seem so. That's sad. Uh, I'm just relaying the information and what it appears. I, I don't we know. We report. I am not. You decide. I am, I, I am no coach. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I'm not making the starting lineups. I'm just telling you what is said. We'll also, of course, talk with Terry McCormick as well. So happy Halloween. Hope you guys have a plan for the evening. I do. Um, the plan is to let the two year old get as much candy, I guess, as she wants and then take the the one-year-old and get all the candy that we want. (laughs) You know, and that's the thing. It's funny because a lot of folks, you know, get mad at teenagers for coming around, but really it's the parents with the, with, with with the, the infants. It's like, we know. Like you, you, (laughs) all right, Jeff, bring in your, you're nine month old. You're nine month old is not eating this candy. Who's eating this candy, Jeff? You are. <laughs> You're right. I am Jeff. Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> to my candy stuff. <laughs> so I mean, you know, Charlie's Charlie's gonna have a good time. She's she's got a little princess costume, which is about right. She certainly thinks she's the princess. It's my that's my dad's fault. Oh, you have nothing to do with that. No, no. He, oh, you're just a princess. You're perfect and everything. She's not. No, she's 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 two going on twenty. And you all know how that is. You know, you know. I don't have to tell you. You've had one of those. You've dealt with it. It is what it is. Anyway, it's gonna be a good show. 
We're going to get you yesterday's results and today's schedule, though. We're going to do that on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. Monday night NFL action. The Detroit Tigers with a 26... Um, <laughs> Detroit Lions with a 26-14 win over the Las it's Vegas a, Raiders. It's a cat. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, women's basketball exhibition action. Tennessee defeated Carson Newman 105-72. Middle Tennessee State with a 103-53 win over University of the Cumberlands. In the association, it was Dallas 125, Memphis 110. World Series Game 3, Texas did all of their damage in the third inning of a 3-1 win over Arizona to take a 2-1 lead in the series. And in Major, Major League Soccer playoff action, Orlando took the opener of its best-of-three series against the National Soccer Club one month. just... A hair off mm-hmm. <laughs> all night long. All night long. <laughs> Just a hair. Game four in the World Series is tonight, 7.03 on Fox. It's still in Arizona. The Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Rangers get home field advantage back. They have stolen the game. That I'm not sure if it's home field advantage or not because they are undefeated on the road this postseason. That's true. They have it. Maybe it's maybe it's a way field advantage. Well, if, if, that's, if that's the case, then... We won't get back to Arlington. Low black field will not see another World Series celebration. And I'm sure Rangers fans will be fine with it. <laughs> I'm sure they will. NBA tonight. That is not tonight. Just kidding. There are no NBA games tonight. There is an NHL game, however, as we just told you. The Predators are at Vancouver. That's at 9 o'clock tonight on Valley Sports South. Men's basketball action. Uh, you can catch Lenore Ryan at Tennessee. That's a 5.30 tip on SEC Network. That is an exhibition. In games that are not exhibition, NAIA play has started, and you can catch a doubleheader tonight, men's and women's, starting at 5.30 as Freed Hardeman travels down to Pulaski to take on UT Southern. So 5.30 women's, 7.30 men's, and those games count. So how about that? College football tonight, if you are so inclined to watch a little Maction. Maction. It is that time. 6 p.m. on ESPNU, Central Michigan hosting Northern Illinois. With or without with Connor Stallions. We don't know. Maybe he will be there. Maybe he will not be there. Apparently, he's a member of their uh, staff. Apparently, he's been there before. He's, he's been there before. That's so <laughs> And on ESPN2 at 6.30, it's Buffalo at Toledo. And that is your rundown. Top Stories brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly and Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Again, they've got fantastic deli specials for lunch they've got great meat vegetables cobblers etc make sure to go by and grab something to eat if you are hungry and you're over the on that way and of course they've got fresh hand cut meats and great produce it's all cost plus 10 at the registered piggly wiggly neely's mill shopping center in columbia top story today mo after a yet another Loss for Clemson. Dabo Sweeney. 
Well, he kind of has to do the coaches show no matter what. And it's not optional. There it, are contracts involved. It is not optional. You got to show up. And sometimes during these coaches shows, as as we as Tennessee fans heard several times over about a decade, mm-hmm. you know, Jeremy Pruitt fielded a lot of these calls. But Tyler from Spartanburg calls in and basically says, hey, man, we're paying you $11.5 million, and you're basically Tommy Bowden now. And Now, let me interject here. I didn't think Tommy Bowden was bad. But this is, um, but but I mean, seven seven, eight wins. Expectations have been elevated at Clemson. Oh yeah, but I mean, seven or eight wins was about what Tommy Bowden was going to give you. And if they may not get to seven this year, we we just yeah. I mean, him being Tommy Bowden might be a strength at this point. That might have been a compliment (laughs) under the circumstances. But Dabo certainly did not take it that way. Do continue. Sorry. I apologize. He, you he, weren't familiar with his game, were he, you? He won nine games twice. Mm-hmm. He went nine and four in 03 and 07. But he also went six and six, seven and five, seven and six, six and five, eight and four, eight and five, three and three before being fired in 08. You know what all of those records would get you? A bowl game. He went to, he went to a bowl game all but the year he got fired. So there you go. Which might be more than the next guy. Well, except in 2004 when they declined a bowl game. Self-imposed, self-imposed punishment for a team fight versus South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's funny. But, yeah, but essentially he's like, hey, man. I, this isn't what we're paying you for. We're not paying you $11.5 million to go back to where we were. Mm-hmm. And... And Dabo took that personally. He did, uh, to which it was something, you know, something he's done recently, several times. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've got some friends who, who, and a lot of people on Twitter are, you know, Dabo's right. Mm, is he though? No. Because I, I will say this: it is not easy to do. I do think that. Clemson has the expectations it has because of Dabo Sweeney. Mm-hmm. All right. There's no question there. I don't think that anybody would argue that. How many times have we said it? When you create the monster, you got to feed you have it. to feed it. That being said, he did create the monster mm-hmm. and to whom much is given, much is expected. Once you're paid eleven and a half million dollars, you've got you've got to feed them. All. You have to produce four and four. It's not and maybe going to a bowl game is not eleven point five. Is not eleven point five million dollars. It's just not. And, and Tyler from Spartanburg, while rude as he may have been, was, was not, not wrong. wrong, and is not wrong. Mm-mm. Because Dabo Sweeney brought this on himself in a number of ways. One, by creating the expectation. Two, by refusing to use the transfer portal. 
Three, his name, image, and likeness program of God rather than green. I'm sorry, but well, and his you his, have to his, adapt to his, the world. And his generally speaking, holier than thou attitude. And not just holier, but better than. I mean, just just you apply for the job, Tyler. Well, you know what Tyler from Spartanburg wouldn't do? Refuse to use the transfer portal. Well, here's the thing. Tyler may not apply for the job, but that doesn't mean that the job couldn't necessarily be open. Now, Tyler may have an opportunity to now, apply for it because now, it will be available. Now, Dabo, Dabo is not going anywhere based on the 2023 season. No. But if he refuses and continues to refuse to adapt to the world of college athletics, he will not be at Clemson much longer. And here's the thing. When he leaves Clemson, he's going to leave it in a much, well, I say much worse. He'll leave it in, in a much worse situation than where he had it at one point. He will probably leave it in the same situation in which he Found obtained it. it. <laughs> and so, and, and here's the thing about that. The only reason that they will be Six and six, seven and five, if they're lucky, is because of the ACC. If Clemson were in any other conference, except maybe the Big 12 this year, because we've seen Ohio, <laughs> Iowa State and Kansas State are mm -mm. You know, mm -hmm. in the hunt. But you put them in the Big 10, especially in the East, where they, 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 would not be, they would not be Penn State. They would be much worse than that. I mean, that... The Pac-12, they probably wouldn't, you know, probably wouldn't win five games there either. I'm sorry. So Clemson is what Clemson is, in part due to its conference. And you know, Dabo has to understand that very simply, he is. His mannerisms and his responses to the to, to these criticisms has to change. Because because why, Mo? <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> you can lose games. You cannot be a very good person. Can't do. But both. you can't do both. Can't do both. And that's it. Look, man. I, I'm fine if Dabo Sweeney is like, you know what, Tyler? I think you're being a jerk. But, but you're, you're right. You know, I've got to be better. I'm making $11.5 million a year, and this isn't what I'm getting paid to do. I have to be better. We have to do better. You're absolutely right. Thank you for the call. Thank you for caring about Clemson football. Done. Nobody's talking about it today. Instead, instead, Dabo's on Dabo. And, and who was it that came on this show and said that Dabo Sweeney was in his Philip Fulmer era? I don't know, but somebody tweeted it um, well, over the last Ryan year. Ryan Hancock tweeted it to me oh, when, okay. last night. Okay, but it was because he had he had read or he had watched it on our show. I don't remember who it was. That said it, it was I don't, I don't think it was David Hood. But it was, it might have been, you know who it might have been? It might have been Dave Hooker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't remember 
former being this level of defiance in the end. No, no, but but I, I think that this is this is the 2007, 2008, mm -hmm. you know, and Clemson, and Clemson has a choice. Clemson can do one of two things. They can make the Philip former choice and, you know, pull the, plug. pull the plug and hope that they don't go into a decade of, you know, dysfunction, dysfunction. As, as somebody's book, I think Martin Aggie. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, I, I, even though you don't follow me. And or they can stick it out with Davo Sweeney and hope that he either adapts. I don't think whether you stick it out short term or long term, I don't think it ends well. I don't think Clemson gets back to what Clemson has been under Davo Sweeney, especially with Florida State coming up. That does that does create a problem, I think. Because pretty much for the entirety of Dabo's tenure at Clemson, Florida State has not been Florida State. Well, they did win a national championship one time in there. But other than that, yes. I mean, outside of that one Jameis Winston mm -hmm. national title, they've been... I noticed you call it Jameis Winston and not Jimbo Fisher. Well, yeah, because... <laughs> It, it has become clear in the last couple of years who won that title. <laughs> whom it was attributable, yes. <laughs> yes. So I just feel like that's kind of where you know that that that's kind of where Clemson is at this point is they they have a choice to make and what choice will they make? And again, it's not just about what's going on on the field. That's the problem. That's that's it. They you know. Maybe they. We, go, we've seen this movie. We know how it is. In several different instances. Mm -hmm. So adapt, Dabo, or you will die in this business. And just it, you will, because you can't. A Power Five football program in the world we live in cannot be successful without utilizing the transfer portal to some degree. To some degree. You just can't. And name, image, likeness. It's it's it, it's the way of the world. And here's the thing. And I hate it for Clem in, in Clemson, with that fan base, with Ipte, well, you know, they are they are probably begging for NIF. They they are ready to throw money at that program. It's funny you mentioned Florida State, because also during this run, Tennessee's not been good. And Tennessee and Clemson have often fought over the same players and 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 Tennessee won for a long time for a long time I mean Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence should have been a vault well I mean you go back to those Peyton Manning those mid-90 UT teams the teams leading up to and probably including that 98 national championship team they made a living recruiting South Carolina South Carolina North Georgia mm -hmm. they did I mean, outside of they, – there were probably more kids from North Georgia and South Carolina on those teams than there were from Tennessee mm -hmm. because Tennessee wasn't putting out the kids to the degree that they are now, then. That's right. And, 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 and so with Tennessee's rise, 
that's only going to hurt. It just it, and Georgia being good, Georgia I mean, at a national championship level. Georgia is a national championship level. Tennessee is New Year Six level. Clemson ain't the only kid on the block these days, mm -hmm. and they were for a long time. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, um, we will try to get Bet the Bush on the line, which should be here in just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. So stick around. Main Street Sports Saints, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We will be back to the Lee Company studio here in just a moment, so stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome 
Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao alongside Maurice Patton here on this Top 5 Tuesday. Top 5 professional sports debuts coming your way. Can't imagine where we got that idea. No, no, can't imagine at all. But looking forward to that. It is Tuesday and we would normally have Chip Walters on today, but we will not have Chip. We will have, however, Max Hers joining us in the second hour, talking a little bit about the Nashville Predators up and over in Vancouver today. But right now, Mo, we have a very special guest from just up the road, much closer than Vancouver. Considerably closer. <laughs> in the same, same time zone, even. Yeah. It is Ohio Valley Conference Commissioner Beth DeBush joining us now. Thanks so much, Beth, for joining us. My pleasure. Well, it feels a little bit like Vancouver out there, though, with the cold temps. So if you didn't know, but it's a pleasure to be with you. And an opportunity to talk a little bit of football is always fun. Yeah, and Beth, thanks for reminding me about the temperatures. I yeah. could have gone without <laughs> that, but you are unfortunately right. Um, what does seem to be hot is the football standings in the Big South slash Ohio Valley Conference, where the top three teams are from the latter right now. Kind of, Beth, walk us through how the football situation for your conference got to where it is and what your thoughts are about it at this point. Sure. From a structural standpoint, um, it goes back about two years. I was good friends with the then commissioner of the Big South, Kyle Kalander, and as we looked at the FCS landscape, we determined that our two leagues had enough geographic alignment that it made sense to partner to create good FCS schedules and to make sure that we were sufficiently large as we see lots of movement in Division One uh, to be able to protect both leagues. And so we formed this football partnership and this is the, our inaugural season. It's been a lot of fun. It's been as competitive as we thought it would be. And um, we look forward to, we have three weeks left in the season. And as you noted, um, as we look through it, one of about four or five teams could actually win the conference title. So uh, Kyle uh, Schwartz in our office, who you know, he's going to be potentially a busy guy at the end of the season, working through all the tiebreakers and the modeling that could go on. But it leads to a lot of interest in what's going on. Uh, football in this league, in this association, but also for FCS football, which is really important to us. You mentioned the top half of these standings. Um, Southeast Missouri currently undefeated in Big South slash Ohio Valley Conference play at 3-0. and uh, UT Martin is 3-1, and and then Tennessee State, Bryant, and Gardner-Webb, the latter two members of the Big South, are all sitting there at two and two, but UT Martin and Tennessee State have the two best overall records at six and two. The other three are each four and four. Um, one, do you feel like this alignment, I guess, um, it's not a conference, obviously, but do, do you feel like there's a chance for you all to get an at large in addition to? your conference champion advancing to the FCS playoffs or what sure. are your hopes? What are your expectations out yeah. of this? 
Yeah, so I'll take you back to take you forward. So what we've oh, yeah. done uh, is really taken both conferences and put together a complete series of regulations unique for this grouping of schools for our conference. The OBC has six, seven football playing institutions next year. So the automatic qualifier for the FCS playoffs comes by virtue of the Ohio Valley Conference. So, um, you know, our aspirations for this combined league are certainly, certainly large. And we think what we've done is put a good combination of schools together, which warrants a lot of postseason opportunities for uh, the member institutions and also a solid schedule, which would deserve serious consideration by the playoff committee. Um, you've noted it. Um, looking at the race right now, Southeast Missouri uh, doesn't have a loss in league play. They're certainly a good and talented football team. They have, though, had a good bit of heartbreak non-conference and that they've lost three games right at the very end of the, of the play for each game. And so, therefore, winning the conference championship will be critically important for them. UT Martin has an outstanding conference record. They had a loss, though, this past Saturday in a very close game with only 13 seconds left against Gardner-Webb. We thought it would be a barn burner, and it absolutely was. But their non-conference record is, is really quite stellar, and they still play Southeast Missouri a week from now, so that'll be a really important game uh, to the league. And, um, you know, they could still definitely have an at-large resume, depending on how this shakes out and it unfolds. Uh, Tennessee State, certainly a fun team to watch. We couldn't be more delighted for Coach George and his program. They're going to have a winning record, so that's tremendous. It's the first time since 2017 that they will have a winning record, and they're on a four-game winning streak. So, again, as this, this unfolds and their defense is playing exceptionally well, uh, they, too, can be right for consideration. So each week, uh, we communicate with the FCS playoff committee. We have conference calls on an every other week basis. And right now, and the OBC has always been really disciplined in promoting its schools. We don't talk to them about every institution that could possibly make it. We really try to tailor our messaging. But our list is six deep right now that we're talking to the FCS playoff committee about. Because depending on how the season shakes out, any one of six teams could be the AQ. And we do think that we have at-large considerations at play here as well. What's really important in how we've scheduled is there's some really hefty non-conference wins in the mix. Even Eastern Illinois, uh, which has historically had a good football tradition, if you look at their non-conference resume, Indiana State, Illinois State, McNeese, Northwestern State, all wins. So again, I think the conference has comported itself well in, in, in the playoff round. Well, and, you know, Beth DeBosch, Commissioner of the OVC, joining us here on Main Street Sports today. The success of teams from the Ohio Valley Conference and the FCS playoffs doesn't hurt. That certainly gives, you know, it gives you some credibility when you're in those conversations. <laughs> UT Martin most recently. Yeah, absolutely. UT Martin's, you know, had had a nice run, represented represented us well over the years. Our conference champ last year, uh, Southeast Missouri. Again, we've seen teams that have it, it isn't a, a a flash in the pan or one hit wonder. Whether it's Coach Matukowitz at Southeast Missouri or Coach Simpson at UT Martin, they've been with their programs for a long period of time, and they've really been able to to build these programs and to 
traditional names now that you hear on the FCS landscape that have a level of success. Um, you know, as we looked at this season, yeah, you know, and we were getting used to the, the combination of schools. Certainly, we had high hopes and high ambition for Gardner Webb. Trey Lamb, the coach at Gardner Webb, is a product of the OVC as well. He was a Tennessee uh, Tech student athlete, so certainly from and an assistant coach, so certainly familiar to this league as well. So it's really blended together nicely, and I think um, created some new uh, sense of rivalry and excitement as well as there's been new blood brought in. So. Um, this is a fun time of year for us working in college sports, the crossover season with basketball starting next week, our soccer championship this week, and all this fun football going on. If you, if you don't enjoy working in college sports right now, I don't know when you would. Fun, yeah. she says. It sounds fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's having fun. I don't know who it is. Mm, I don't know who's probably not. <laughs> the, the communications department? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how much Amen to that. So Kyle's not joining me because he's too busy doing some work. He had the football coach's call earlier today, and certainly that's all part of it. It's important now, as you all well know, so I appreciate this opportunity that we help promote our football teams and bring some visibility to what they're doing. The committee members that serve on the FCS committee, they get access to all the football programs, and they watch a great deal of football and take their roles responsible, uh, responsibly. But again, publicity and attention to these programs is important. And in this day and age, making sure that we do a good job of just discussing FCS football and people understand it's Division One football. It's an important brand of football. I don't think in my role I can do enough of that. Beth DeBush, Commissioner of the Ohio Valley Conference, joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. And Beth, um, Again, the Big Ten, um, I'm sorry, the Big South Ohio Valley Conference Alliance, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. You have seven of the 11 teams. Is that right? Am I so, counting that right? So going into next year, the OVC added uh, Western Illinois for this year. Western Illinois stayed back one more year to play football in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Okay. They'll join us next year. So the combination of schools will be the seven OVC schools and the three big South schools uh, to make up that combination of 10 football playing programs together. So the big South schools joining the OVC schools are Gardner-Webb. Charleston Southern and Robert Morris University. Okay, so and Bryant the, the, is leaving after this year then? It, yes, and Bryant is going to the new Coastal Conference. You almost need a, a cheat sheet at home, right, to follow all this movement. And I don't say that lightly. You know, we see mm -hmm. it at all levels of Division One, and there's just a period of membership movement. So I'm really oh. glad that we have this core of OVC programs that have stayed together, and we've been able to build back the conference, adding four new programs to the Ohio Valley Conference over the course of the past year and a half. Well, losing Bryant will certainly shrink that map that you have to use to get all of the teams in there because they, they're up there in the Northeast kind of all by them, themselves. So that's it. It's, it's, it's certainly a large footprint as it currently stands between the Big South 
in the Ohio Valley. <laughs> that so, includes Bryant. Yeah, yeah it is, but it isn't, candidly. When you look at the configuration of schools that make up the core of the Ohio Valley and add, if you look at Pittsburgh and, and then Gardner-Webb being in North Carolina, it's not quite as far as you think. The Bryant trip is a charter, and that is something different. You follow the Ohio Valley Conference, and you know for years and years we've been a, a bus-focused league, and that's still the core of who we um, as a, as a multi-sport conference want to be, need to be. And as you look at our membership growth, adding these additional institutions, certainly within the driving footprint of what was you know, the historic OBC. And again, it's just a, a nice fit, but we are trying to be very reasonable in our approach to football. And I think, I think we've been able to pull that off. With the addition of Western Illinois, what does that do to this alliance? What do you see as the short-term slash long-term future of the alliance? Because it looks like you all are trending upward from a number standpoint, perhaps. And, you know, the benefits of the alliance may not be as great for you all going forward as they are right now. Is that a reasonable supposition you know i i think we really but the parties all benefit from this uh arrangement and so i i hope my answer to your question is responsive in the following ways i think you're going to see a lot more movement in division one and in fc and fcs will be impacted i think the support of the programs alike programs that are committed to football in similar ways absolutely does help us under this association, which is for a four-year period, uh, but can be extended at any point in time if it's beneficial to the parties, either conference can add to its multi-sport conference membership. So the OVC could add additional members, the Big South could add additional members. But again, we've worked very hard to be compliant with all the NCAA rules. So we really are operating as one from a football standpoint. So even if the OVC uh, grows further, uh, this football partnership has utility. And I'd say the same thing. In fact, I just was talking to my colleague at the Big South this morning uh, about the partnership. I think it has good utility for, for, for both conferences right now. And our slogan has been stronger together. I think truly we are. I have, uh, I follow a lot of folks in FCS, you know, football world on, on Twitter and, and sort of thing. I mean, obviously, I'm Jacksonville State grad, so I spent a lot of time in the OVC while I was in school, particularly. But, you know, with the recent announcement of the NCAA making the the exit fee $5 million, do you feel like that's going to finally maybe slow down or solidify some of these conferences and the movement that we're seeing right now with teams, you know, not being able to kind of go up anymore? So the, what you're referencing for the benefit of folks um, <laughs> that are listening in is the NCA has actually said the entry fee to transition from FCS to FBS uh, has been raised and they've done a lot of analysis to determine what the value is in terms of, of the, the move from the NCA and where that price point should be. Um, that would be a one-time expense that an institution would have to pay. 
so if an institution really wanted to make the move, they certainly could do so if their board wanted to support that move. That price point is probably more uh, based in, in logic and value than what we had before. In the process, they also eliminated the attendance requirement that was affiliated with FBS because the attendance requirement had been somewhat fluid over the years. I think, the, the, you, you know, the real important thing to this all is Vision One's going through a period of, of immense change. Uh, we have a lot of big issues that we're dealing with. This is just one of of them. Football will play a really important role. I think there are other football decisions that will need to be made just about what the role of the A5 is and the broader scope of Division One athletics that will also drive some decisions of how FBS football um, absolutely shakes out. Alliance with conferences, bowl alliances, TV agreements associated with it, and access to the CFP are all tied to that as well. So I think this this entry fee piece is just one part of that overall bigger puzzle to see what ultimately makes sense. You know, if you're sitting in my role, what's really important is that we have a strong FCS. And I think the heightened um, focus on the FCS playoffs is gonna be really important. And um, we can't do enough to make sure people understand FCS because um, we have a neat spot with our playoffs. We have a neat time frame for, for when we compete. So the more we invest in it, the more we promote it, the better off we are. And people can feel comfortable with their home and not have that desire for membership movement. So I hope that that makes sense. There's just a whole lot of moving pieces to all this. And that entry fee is just one part of it. It almost feels like that entry fee was put where it was to kind of make people think and think and think some more before they make a move. I mean, um, does it seem particularly prohibitive, that number, five million, particularly from where it was? Or do you feel like, you know, from a value standpoint, that number makes sense? So I, I'll go back to what I was talking about before. Not only if you're willing to pay that entry fee, you'd want to make sure that you found a good conference home that was part of the broader CFP and bowl agreements, that you had a lot of bowl access that came with it, and um, that as the continual CFP work goes on, that your institution would be a part of that. To, to pay, pay the transition fee and not have complete access to all the other things that come with FBS football, it may be a hefty price. So I think there's a lot to it, finding the right conference and making sure that conference has a whole slew of bowl agreements, bowl agreements that make sense and actually make money uh, for the institution or not a, a losing proposition for the institution would be important. And being with a conference that could actually build a schedule for you that you could sustain it uh, and, and would draw attendance and help support it. So there's so many interrelated pieces to this mm -hmm. that if you're going to move to FBS, you want a good gate, you want a good following, you want a good TV contract that comes with your conference. So making sure all those pieces align would be critically important to any transitional move. So I, again, I hope that's that's helpful to your question. Absolutely. Beth Bush joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bond and Joint OBC Commissioner. Beth, thanks so much for taking time with us. It was very informative, and we, we certainly appreciate your time as well as uh, the, the football that we are seeing in the OVC. Always a good time 
uh, to get out to an OVC slash Big South football game for sure. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks for the opportunity and thanks for what you do to promote college sports. Thank you, Beth. Stay warm. And good luck with that. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will talk a little bit about college football playoff rankings, which will come out tonight. So stick around. Main Street Sports State presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn and Joints back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yamo Patton, and it is college football playoff night. <laughs> First rankings of the year set to come out tonight. And, Mo, I am expecting some fireworks. Yeah, because I think that's about six teams from four spots. <laughs> Well, really, it's, I guess, five, right? May. Who is your sixth team? Texas. Okay. That's understandable. Hmm. It's interesting. I, you know, <laughs> that was part of the, that was one of the questions that I obviously wanted to ask is who was the highest ranked one loss team? You think it's going to be Texas and not Oregon? Yeah, I think so. Because I don't think you're going to get two Pac-12 teams in the first week. In the, in the in top the, six? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Why not? I mean, we've been talking about the Pac-12 as the best conference all year. I'm not 
We've been talking about the fact that the Pac-12 conference is the best conference all year. I'm not sure that the committee feels that way. Okay. That's a, that's a fair argument. I, <clears throat> my, my concern is that the Big 12 is clearly not. And That's why you only get Texas in the top six. And, and you don't and, know that Texas should be in the top six? Is that, you don't think the Big 12 should have anybody in the top six? So the obviously the win in Alabama is huge, mm-hmm. but the neutral field loss to Oklahoma now hurts quite a bit. Yeah, with Oklahoma losing in, not only did Oklahoma lose at Kansas, but mm-hmm. they struggled against UCF at home and they struggled against Cincinnati. But Alabama is playing better. Alabama is playing much better now. Is if you're the committee, do you? Do you say, well, that's not the Alabama team that they beat? Probably. <laughs> I mean, but, you kind of have to make that distinction and you, with, and you with almost, a lot of one-loss teams. And you almost have to make that distinction with Alabama to explain why you don't have them further up. I mean, this is – how many times have we said that head-to-head doesn't matter? And – Right now, in that specific game, you don't know that it does, is what you're saying. What I'm saying is that this committee mm-hmm. has certainly not been afraid to to say that head jump, to head it doesn't matter to jump somebody. Just you know, look, I know Texas beat them on the road, but that's not the same. That's not the team we're looking at right now. This Alabama team is much different and much better mm-hmm. than the team that that Texas played in week two. And even going back to last year, I, I mean, obviously, we'll find out a little bit more about Alabama this week. I don't think there's any question that the LSU game is going to play a part. And 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 if I'm the committee, I probably just tap my brakes on Alabama until they do, you know, maybe win against LSU or something like that. Because if you put them up too high, then they lose to LSU. You're like, well. People say, well, they, they, they lost to Texas. Why did you have them that high anyway? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot to, to, at play here. My biggest question is how many Big Ten teams are in? Do you think Michigan gets in mm-hmm. in the top four? Mm-hmm. You don't think that this sign-stealing thing is going to come up? I think it comes up, and I think they have a decision to make as to how big a deal to make of it. And but because yeah. what what can... well what I'm gonna say sounds odd. I think based on what Michigan has done on the field, they're gonna be up there now. How much does this deal have to do with what they've done on well, the field? Here's the here's the problem with that. They ain't played nobody yet. All right, Paul. I'm just, I I mean, and that's the thing. So not only could you make the argument in the room that Michigan's been good, but they ain't played anybody. And 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 everybody they've played, they apparently cheated against. (laughs) So what do we know about Michigan right now? We know nothing. I think, though, they feel like they have a safety net with Michigan in that Michigan will play Ohio State. Sure. And that's why I don't think Michigan's in the top four. I, I, I think they're I think they're in the top six. That's why I think they are in the top four because as soon as they lose to Ohio State, they fall out and you don't have to worry about them anymore. I, I think you have 
an easy out. You say their strength of schedule doesn't match up with folks like Washington who beat Oregon. You know, the, the, the strength of schedule doesn't match up with Florida State who beat LSU. Georgia, on the other hand, also a similar argument against is they've not played anybody yet. The, the, obviously, the best of their schedule, Missouri this weekend, Tennessee down the road, seems to be ahead of them. Ole Miss also in there. I mean, they've got a chance to, to play their way up, but is Georgia number one? I think that's the big question. They weren't last year. And I don't know that they will be this time. I don't think they will be either. So what's your top four? This is a prediction. This is not mine. This is what I think the committee is going to do. Now, then I we'll, want yours. Okay. We'll go with mine first. Then. Mm -hmm. My top four mm -hmm. in order would be Florida State, Ohio State, because of their wins over Penn State and Notre Dame. All right. Georgia and Washington. That okay. would be my top four. Okay. My next two out would be Michigan and Oregon and then Texas. Okay. My top four is Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State. With Washington and Texas at five and six. So Washington's a Washington's big problem right now is Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Arizona State, they had to have 12 fourth quarter points and then nearly lost to Stanford, too. Mm -hmm. But they pounded Oregon at home. It was in, it was in Oregon. Or, I'm sorry, it was in Washington. Both of those other games were on the road. Washington's history doesn't help. It does it not either. help them. It does not. I agree. But. Washington, again, I feel like has a chance for some upward mobility once Ohio State beats Michigan. Yeah. I, I mean. Now, what do you feel like the committee's going to do? Because you, you have a better I feel think, for that. Well, I mean, I, I think the committee is, is going to weigh heavily on what you've done we, we saw it with Tennessee last year we've seen it in the past you know especially in the first the first rankings mm -hmm. are always kind of odd yeah only 21 of the 36 teams ranked in the top four have made the top the final four so there's that I think they're going to go I think you're right I think Ohio State's going to be one I think they're going to put Georgia at two. I think they're going to put Florida State. And then they're probably going to put Michigan at four. I don't love it. I don't think they're going to put. They've, they've never, they've never worried about conference, conference affiliation in the first couple of weeks. Okay. And, and that we've makes, seen it happen. And that before. makes sense. That makes sense. But, um, you know. And I do feel like Florida State probably is better than Michigan. I think so too, and I think that's what the, and and I think the committee that's when the committee gets in there that's that's what they think man that's what they're worried about mm -hmm. who's the best team and, and and the the weird part is they rarely even look at the schedules they just say 
who looks the best. And I don't know how you can say who looks the best without looking at who they've looked good against. Sure. But I don't think I don't think they even I don't think they even look at the results of mm -hmm. you know they probably look at results, you know, Oregon, Washington, they're gonna say, well, you know, Oregon they only lost by three on a missed field goal mm -hmm. on the road. So Oregon's probably gonna be close to six or seven. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's going to be higher. I don't know if Texas or Oregon's going to be higher. But I think I think that the the highest ranked one loss team is going to be the most intriguing part of tonight outside of where Michigan is. Mm -hmm. I think I'm really curious if it's going to be Oregon, Texas or Oklahoma. I don't think it'll be Penn I'm sorry, Oregon, Texas or Alabama. I don't think it's going to be Penn State or Oklahoma. I don't think it'll be Oklahoma. That like the you said, unfortunate they situation struck, of just losing plus, right before the rankings come out. Yeah, the timing wasn't great. Plus, Texas has had a chance struggles. to kind of re rebound from, from their, their loss. loss. Oklahoma's Which, loss is fresh, right? And it was at Kansas. And it was yeah, it was at Kansas. And, and again, like I said, struggled both Cincinnati and UCF. Right. So I, I I think I think the the higher of those is going to be fun now. Who is going to be the highest ranked group of five team? Oof. Ooh. Because here's the thing. Who are you looking at? You're looking at Fresno, Tulane, and Air Force, right? I don't think Fresno's in the mix anymore. Are they not? I think it's just Air Force and, and Tulane. Tulane. Okay. And Air Force, while undefeated, plays the 112th worst schedule. Colorado State bumped it up a little bit. Well, if you know that, the they committee know that. should know that. Tulane, what is Tulane's schedule? I don't know what Tulane's schedule. It's not the 112. It's, it's not that bad. But Tulane has won a win over South Alabama, who beat the tar out, out of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Um, the loss to Ole Miss, which you know they did not have their quarterback. We've said that a gazillion times on this show. Um, Went to Memphis. Memphis is looking good. Got the win. Outside of that, they Tulane, don't have... and, and I know we're supposed to, this is supposed to be taking this place year. in a 2023 vacuum, but you can't not be impacted by what by the they content. did in the New Year's Six Bowl. And that, was, that right there is why they're going to be the, top, the highest ranked. Yeah. Because... Much like what we saw with Cincinnati, mm -hmm. you know, they had to go undefeated two years in a row <laughs> to get in one, and they had to and they had to beat the team head to head that was the next possible team to get in. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that, they had had Notre Dame not been the next team possible to be ranked, and they and lost, lost to Cincinnati, to Cincinnati. Yeah. so I, I, you know, that that's just kind of where you're at. But I do think you have to take into consideration what they did to use at USC last year. Absolutely. So I think it's going to be the green wave, although I would love to see a, a, service, academy. a service academy in the New Year's Six. That would be something. Let's take a break. Terry McCormick is in his vehicle, so that's okay. good. 
It's not driving, is it? I, I don't know, but we'll find out in a minute on the other side. And that is not the right card, but that's okay. Terry is coming up in just a moment here on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joints. Stick around. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. the top of the hour titans report with terry mccormick terry what's up how's it going guys no i'm not driving i'm actually pulled over here on the side of the road on i-65 uh giving you guys the very latest well we appreciate it terry and scrolling through twitter as we are wont to do um i'm i'm reading a tweet from at Teresa m walker one minute ago Titans GM Rand Carthon was on the field during practice in the final hour leading up to the NFL trade deadline. Which was, means what, he's not on the phone. Exactly. That's what was that. Well, I was standing right beside him and he had his phone with him and there was, I think, one text that he answered. So I don't know, you know, if the trade deadline is now officially passed. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if the Titans have done anything, it hasn't been reported to my knowledge. So. You know, I wonder like if standing pat with only the Kevin Byard trade being uh, the one deal that they did do. Looks like uh, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Nico Autry, Ryan Tannehill, whoever you want to, you know, put in there. You know, it looks like they're staying put unless uh, something, uh, you know, pops out that uh, has not yet been reported. Well, I wonder if that was kind of a um, a little theater on Rand's part to be on the field to make sure folks know. See, I can't be making no trades if I'm down here with y'all. There you go. I mean, you know, maybe Rand's playing everybody like that, you know? I mean, but, uh, you know, I can I can confirm that he did have his phone with him. And, uh, you know, so he was available if somebody wanted to talk trade there in that last hour before the deadline passed. Uh, turning to the game here with our Zen Sports Daily Titans report. You know, I think with the Titans, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, and especially how Will Levis responds on a short week, going to Pittsburgh now that there's some game film on it. That's going to be a big, big test. If this kid passes this test, then I think the Titans can say, hey, maybe they've got something here. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be you know, a big deal because you think about it with the rookie coming into the NFL, unless you came from the Mac, 
you don't play on Thursday night. You go week to week, Saturday to Saturday. And the NFL, you can play Thursday, you can play Monday, you can play Sunday, even Saturday sometimes late in the year. So it's interesting, you know, that type of adjustment. And most guys that I talked to, talked to Tajay Spears, talked to uh, Peter Skoronsky, they said the biggest adjustment is not the cramming and getting ready for the opponent. It's getting your body back and getting it ready to go back in to do that type of physical contact just three days after you played before. not easy to do there's no question there but certainly the nfl is going to make its money and whatever you have to do to help it do that too bad so sad basically so well anything else i have nothing else i'm good all right well tell us about zen sports all right sports is the new sports book in tennessee and it's revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. With Zen Sports, your rewards are cash rewards. You bet with real money, and now you're rewarded with it too. Earn a whopping 5% cash back welcome bonus for your first 15 days when you sign up with the code MAINSTREET, M-A-I-N-S-T. Keep betting and keep earning every month after that with up to 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. Best of all, earn cash commission on your referral bets with the Zen Sports Referral Rewards Program. Zen Sports. Betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. It's the biggest racing show of the year, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th at Nashville Fairground Speedway. Six fast-paced divisions of racing on the quarter mile Friday night. Pole qualifying in three big feature events Saturday night. And the Curb Records Big Machine Vodka Spike Coolers Fall American 400 on Sunday afternoon. Racing starts at 6.30 Friday, 5 o'clock Saturday, and 1 o'clock Sunday. Tickets available at nationalfairgroundspeedway.racing or at the gate on race day. It's the 39th All-American 400 weekend, Friday through Sunday, November 3rd through 5th. Get your tickets now. Welcome back to Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. As we were talking about the trade deadline, some trade deadline moves that did occur today. One in particular. Number one particularly. We said it yesterday. You said they should kick the tires. Mm. And tires have been kicked. Apparently they were aired properly. And so the Minnesota Vikings receive Joshua Dobbs and a 2024 seventh-round pick in return for a sixth-round pick in next year's draft to the Arizona Cardinals. So the Vikings will likely be playing Josh Dobbs until they're done. 
until they don't. So, yeah, I mean, cousin didn't come in back this year from that Achilles. So, I would dare say Dobbs is QB one for as long as the Vikings are playing, and which is interesting because he he was allegedly benched yesterday in favor of the in favor of the the rookie quarterback, but. I'm pretty sure that that was just to give cover to why the rookie was taking first team snaps in practice. this week. Yeah, ahead of the trade deadline. Because Kyler Murray was back, is he not? Kyler Murray is. They, they are. They are still iffy on Kyler. Okay. But if he's not back this week, he will be next week, okay. most likely. So yeah, they were. They were trying to get rid of Josh Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't necessarily trying to get rid of Josh. Well, trying to they trade were trying to make this yeah. trade. Yeah. yeah, but um, it feels like the trade deadline came at a bad time for some folks because, again, I think the Titans – well, I don't want to say I think. I wonder if the Titans wouldn't have wanted another week for maybe Ryan Tannehill to get healthy, yeah. to show that he's healthy, and then maybe he's – in Minnesota, as you and or Atlanta. Justin were talking about, or Atlanta. Yeah. I, uh, because, I mean, and again, I, I was not a Will Levis fan. I don't know that I am a Will Levis fan, but I think he certainly showed enough Sunday for a team that may or may not be playing for anything in 2023 right. to certainly roll with him the rest of the way. Absolutely. Um, Ezra Cleveland, offensive lineman from Minnesota, is headed to the Jaguars. Okay. <laughs> and a sixth-round pick is the return there. Donovan Peoples-Jones headed from Cleveland to Detroit to sure up a very heavy Wide receiver room mm-hmm. includes Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jameson Williams, and Josh Reynolds, and Khalif Raymond. Josh Reynolds, who had one catch for like a yard and a fumble last night. Uh, so there's that. Didn't didn't have any impact on my fantasy game at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sarcasm fun, huh? Yeah, hey, if I'd played if I'd played Jerry Judy instead of him, I'd have had a chance. But you know, such is life. Jerry Judy staying along with Cortland Sutton, Sutton in Denver. But the big news of the day is very simply: former number two overall pick, Washington Commanders defensive end Chase Young, is being traded to the San Francisco 49ers, likely a mid-round pick. I don't know. Did you do you have exactly what it is? I think it was. The 85th overall pick going from San Francisco to Washington after after Chicago got the 35th pick from Montez Sweat. I mean, so they sent Sweat to the Bears for the number 35. They sent Young to the 49ers for the number 85. Sounds a little backwards. Chicago can't be happy. We gave up a 35. 
So I'm I'm scared. Uh-huh. The 49ers now have Nick Bosa and Chase Young. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. Well, we don't play them, so. No, and probably would not see them at mm, any point. Not this year. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. Uh, Josh Harris, who owns the Commanders as the principal owner in that group, mm-hmm. also the principal owner of the 76ers, has now traded both Chase Young and James Harden in the last Same 24 day. hours. So, <laughs> Good day. Got rid of all the crazy people, I guess. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I, I think this is this is a – this is a move that I didn't necessarily expect to see from Washington, who I I mean, I guess what you're seeing is new ownership group, new general manager trying to, you know, build their team from the draft. Mm-hmm. Draft capital. Don't hate to see it necessarily, but there is that. That is the NFL parade deadline news that we have again the titans didn't uh, apparently did not uh, pursue nor complete any trades at the deadline this is not a trade deadline move but apparently the jets have signed two-time pro bowl guard and former tennessee titan roger saffold to their practice squad with the intent to promote him to their active roster. Um, Sappho played last year with Buffalo. So, again, not a trade deadline move, but a move. So, in other things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, Pat Narduzzi made some comments, and I don't think he was wrong in his comments. Pat Narduzzi, whose Pitt Pitt. Panthers just lost 58 to 7, 58 to nothing, but it was was bad. But that being said, you know, Deion Sanders' comments, what, late last week about going to get new offensive linemen? Saturday night. Well, after did they lose Friday night or Saturday night? I think it was Saturday night. Okay, yeah, it was after their loss. Uh, Narduzzi said, we lost a lot of good players last year. We thought we'd replace them, and we obviously didn't do a good job with that. Yeah, that that. And did not go over well. It it didn't, but he's not wrong, and neither is neither is Coach Prime. And I understand the world of that that we want to live in in college athletics. We want college athletics to be half about building young men and getting them to graduation, and half about winning football games. But that's not. Dabo Sweeney doesn't get paid eleven and a half million dollars to graduate football players. <laughs> And neither does anybody else in the Power Five level. And, you know, the comment that I made after what Dion said and so much of the flack that he caught from it is every college coach 
is trying to recruit over every player in that program. Period. You're trying to get better. You're trying you to bring. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, how that, that's how you reach the pinnacle. You're trying to get higher quality players than you already have, and you know anybody that says otherwise isn't being honest. And so, you know, Dion just said until it. you have until you have eighty five five stars on your team, you're you're going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just the facts. So, and 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 so you know Narduzzi's comments, Prime's comments, completely understandable. I get again the, I don't the world that, that that people want to pretend we live in in I college athletics. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get the grasping of pearls over this stuff. Maybe right. not. I, I guess my my point is I understand that what we want college athletics to be, but it's not what it is and hasn't been for a very, very long time. I don't even understand why we want it to be that. Well, I mean, you don't want, I mean, I don't think that we need to be basically lying to kids in their, in their living room. I'm going to take care of your boy. Well, no, you're not. You're going to take care of him as long as he can help you. And then when he can't help you, you're not going to take care of him. And and at some point, some daddy in a living room is going to have to say that to a coach. A lot of daddies and, and moms and, and parents in general are going to have to say that. Stop lying. Don't come in my living room and lie to me. Because I already know. You said it. If he don't perform, and, and, and I get that. I get that. If my, my kid doesn't go out there and help you. Then you know he then he, he runs that risk. He yeah. he doesn't. But don't tell me you're going to take care of him when you know you, you sitting here saying that you know you just sent what? Which I know they weren't his kids, but you just sent fifty kids packing. And I know you didn't. You know you didn't say say that to those parents. But scholarships are one year. They're year after year. They're not guaranteed for four years. But here's the thing. You know, regardless of what coaches are saying in post-game press conferences, regardless of what coaches are saying in living rooms or anywhere else, that turnover is taking place. Kids are losing scholarships. Kids are having scholarships taken from them, and they have for the past 30 years or more. And I'm intimately familiar with a kid who was a Dean's List student at a Power Five conference school and was doing everything he was supposed to be doing in and out of football and had his scholarship taken by one of the icons of college football. So So, spare me. It just, it is what it is. We've got to stop pretending like college athletics is, is, is similar to high school athletics. It just isn't. No. It's not your, your your goal is not building young men of character and graduating them. That's that's what high school coaches do. Your job at eleven and a half million dollars, Dabo, is to win more than four football games in eight. Out of eight. Yeah. So 
Let's take a break. Max Hers is on the line. We'll talk Predators in just a moment. So stick around to Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bond and Joint. We'll be back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated cost plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton here on this Top 5 Tuesday. And in just a few moments, we will draft the Top 5 Pro Sports Debuts in history. So that should be fun. Stick around. But right now, we're going to go to Max Hers, who will talk a little bit about the Nashville Predators. Max, what's up? Hey, guys. Can you hear me and see me? Yeah. Across international borders here 
can, in fact. We we All can right. we, we can hear you. Hey, Max, before we the um, internet is the world wide web, Max. Oh, <laughs> so that's exciting. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's good it's good to know that it works across borders. Thank you, Al Gore. We appreciate that. <laughs> hey, Smith County Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Max, before we get into Pritz, I do want to ask you about your Friday night rivals game as um, you'll be down in my neck of the woods for the opening round of the playoffs as um, Centennial takes on Columbia Central in Class 5A. I will not be there. I will be in Edmonton. Oh, yes, that who, is the game. oh so who's taking your place then on the... Um, uh, this week it will be Lucas Panzica. So yeah, I've, uh, this will be the third game I've missed this year because of hockey. I was uh, originally only planning to miss two for this current trip I'm on right now, but I got to make a couple of extra trips when Pete Weber unfortunately had COVID. So uh, yeah, I hate to miss it, but uh, nothing beats traveling with the Preds. But I, I do love those high school games. I bet. I'm sad I'm going to miss it, but I'll be I'll be back for the third round of the playoffs and then. I believe I will be on TV play-by-play -play for one game in Chattanooga as the Pred schedule uh, allows. Allows. Okay. Well, yeah, traveling with a professional team probably does put you ahead of the, the high school football game. So, okay. Yeah. As I'm here in arguably the greatest city in North America, Vancouver. Awesome. Tell place. us more. I don't oh, know if that was, was that sarcasm or was that, are you? No, no, no. Oh, it's serious. Legit. It's serious. It's definitely serious. This is a, this is a great place, a beautiful place. Um, it has all the perks of the Pacific Northwest with the coastal element. Um, and I mean, the sun, the sun shines here. It's, it's sunny and, and high forties, low fifties today. So no awesome city. Uh, many, many members of the Preds traveling party are from here or nearby to here. So it's a great place to be. So Vancouver is a better city than Montreal. I don't know about that. Um, it's between those two, but, uh, I, I was with the team in Montreal last year and unfortunately we had a game the night before, so it was a very short visit and we left right after. Um, so it was my first time there and I got to walk around a little bit, but it, we, we didn't get the, I didn't get it for my first time there, the full experience, but, um, I would love to, I don't speak a lick of French, but I, I do have a lot of family history, personal family history in Montreal. So. I will I will get a longer visit at some point, hopefully. But th those are probably the two best spots on the schedule. Cool. So the Preds taking on the Canucks. Nine o'clock puck drop here in Nashville can be seen on Valley Sports South. Coming off an overtime win against Toronto over the weekend. Tell us about the Preds right now, Max. Uh, four and four so far to start the season. And certainly some some signs of promise and some moments where new coach Andrew Burnett's system have delivered everything they're supposed to deliver and times when his power play has delivered that too. So when those things have happened, they've been very strong and they've beaten some teams that were in the playoffs last year. Uh, when that hasn't happened, they have had some bad periods, but uh, even in a game like Saturday, they had a bad first period against the Maple Leafs, who are a great team. Fortunate to come out of that period tied 1-1 and found a way to win the game in overtime 3-2 on a beautiful goal by Roman Yossi. Four and four seems to be a, a positive 
for this team, obviously coming off of last year and new GM, new head coach, got a lot of new faces. I mean, is this is this organization, I guess, satisfied or at least somewhat satisfied with four and four at this point? I would say they're not satisfied with it by any means, but externally, I think it it it's an okay spot to be in right now. The start of the season schedule is really, really, really tough, and they've beaten some teams that were in the second round last year. They beat the Kraken, they beat the Maple Leafs, both of whom won a playoff series last year, and both of whom had high expectations this season as well. So the, the only team on their schedule that has not been a good team is the Sharks, who might be the worst team in the NHL. But other than that, they have only played good teams. They beat the Rangers on the road, which is their only road win so far. They played the Bruins really tight. They played the Lightning really close. So, yeah, I think for the schedule, four and four is certainly, again, from speaking as a a non-member of the team, it's acceptable for where they're at. Um, But the other interesting thing about it, too, is, guys, they haven't played a team in their division yet. Tonight is game number nine. They won't play a division game until game number 13 when we're in Winnipeg on the last game of this trip. So no division games yet, which the way the playoff system still is and has been for 10 years now, that's how the playoffs line up. So it's just interesting that they haven't had a division game yet. Colton Sissons, a North Vancouver native, has been on a bit of a tear of late. Heck of a start to the season for him. Yeah, as always, he's been the Preds' best face-off man, which maybe is up for debate now that Ryan O'Reilly is on the team. But we'll see what's <laughs> this now. Um, he's been incredible on face-offs. He's been incredible in the defensive zone. He's the Predators, again, probably tied with Ryan O'Reilly for best defensive forward, but he gets the tiebreaker on longevity and because we're in his hometown. And he's their best penalty killing forward. That much I know for sure. So he's done all those things well as usual, but he's gotten his scoring chances and he's cashed in on them. I mean, looking at his goals, he his shots have been as good as anybody. He's gone he's gone top cheese. He's gone high corner when he scored. He had a breakaway backhand into the top corner in the home opener against the Kraken for a shorthanded goal. So he's been getting off the shots he wants and scoring the goals he knows he can score. So He's someone who fits in the Andrew Burnett system so well because he's going to get rewarded with a ton of ice time under any coach because of how trustworthy he is in the defensive zone as a center, whether he's playing second-line center, third-line center, fourth-line center, or even second-line wing. He's at all those roles at some point this season, but he's going to continue to get the ice time, which means in a system that plays more offensive like this one does and goes straight to the net, D-zone to O-zone really quickly in transition – He's going to get chances. Max Hurris joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Um, Max, eight games into the season, how does this team look different under Andrew Burnett than it, does, than it did under John Hines? The way it gets up the ice and into the offensive zone is different, and that's a staple of what Andrew Burnett has installed. And when he was the interim coach of the Florida Panthers two years ago for almost the entire season after Joel Quenville was fired for the Blackhawks scandal, this is what his team did. And that wasn't fully his system because he wasn't the coach until mid-October of that team. That team won the President's Trophy. Then they decided to go in a different direction for a full-time head coach and change the entire staff. Then last year, he was the associate head coach 
under Lindy Ruff, legendary head coach, who's coaching the Devils now. And the Devils did the same thing. They had the best offensive season in franchise history and looked the opposite of what the great Devils used to look like. They used to be defense first. They became offense first. And now the Predators are slowly trying to get to that point. And it's going to take a little while. And Brunette was consistent about that the entire season. But the things that they practice when they click in the game, the stretch passes by defensemen, getting through the neutral zone with clean possession from the defensive zone to the offensive zone with one pass and in, when those things have worked, it's it's night and day from the previous system. How do you make that transition with the same folks? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think we've seen a lot of the players who are not new to the team thrive in the system at times. Tommy Novak is a guy who's great in that system. Some of the defensemen have fit in it really well. Dante Fabro is so great at making that first pass out. And I think I think at times in the previous system, he was hesitant to make the aggressive play because that's not what they were designing. But now he's doing things like that. And this might be obvious, but we want Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg to have the puck in the offensive zone. So especially with Forsberg, a forward in this system, that's how that works out. And he's made a lot. He's only scored one goal so far this season, but he's made a lot of plays and he's had a ton of really important assists. Well, it just feel, and and this is going way back, but it felt like this team was kind of built for that under Peter Laviolette. It was built for this type of offense. John Hines played a little bit different style of hockey than than maybe the team was built for, and so you bring in Burnett, and it just it fits with like you said with some of these guys who have been around a while, like uh, Fabro, Romagnosi, and and. and Philip Forsberg, it just it fits their style of play, and that's shown to this point in the season. Yeah, no, it definitely has. Um, I was not covering the team when Peter Laviolette was the coach, so I, I can't speak to the finer points of the system. Although, I mean, I've I've seen every team he's coached in the NHL the last twenty years, so you know what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, you have an idea of what you're going to get. And uh, Andrew Brunette said as much when the Preds played against Laviolette's new team, the Rangers, a couple weeks ago. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a ton of secret about what's in Brunette's system too to opposing teams. Um, just a matter of what works and what doesn't. Well, this team has certainly found its found its groove uh, early. You know, despite being 500, I don't think a lot of, I don't think many, many folks expected, you know, any type of really early success because of the newness of everything and and you know taking some time to gel. So I feel like. Most fans are cautiously optimistic about what this season holds because, again, like you said, nothing really matters to we get a division play anyway. Yeah, and I think people, because of the change at the top in the two most important hockey positions, are, first of all, happy that the original coach, Barry Trotz, is back as the second-ever GM and happy that the player who scored the first goal for the Preds ever, Andrew Burnett, is back as the fourth-ever head coach. So, first of all, I think those guys – I mean, people are happy that those guys are back, first and foremost, but people are also willing to be patient because they're understanding of the situation that they're in. But I think the fact that Ryan O'Reilly and Gus Nyquist are here, two high-scoring forwards with proven pedigree, and tonight is Ryan O'Reilly's 1,000th NHL regular season game, which is cool that we get to have that so early in his Preds tenure. The fact that those guys are here and that they chose to sign multi-year free agent deals with the Preds shows, like, they're they're trying to win. I mean, it's 
it's not a bottom out situation like five or so teams in the NHL are in right now. So, and it's not even close to that. So they're, they're in a good spot. I think, I think fans have a really good understanding of what the team is accomplishing right now. And I think they've been unbelievably supportive. And I think Andrew and Barry have both made that clear too. I mean, Barry Trotz hadn't been here in 10 years. He'd coached two other teams since then, Caps and the Islanders. And Andrew Burnett was only here for the first season. So that was 25 years ago. He's 50 years old. And he said multiple times, like, coming back, he turned 50 in August right before the season. He was reflective on how that first Preds goal was at the current halfway point of his life because every single piece of gear there being issued has the 25th anniversary logo on it. So it's – it's uh yeah, it's nostalgic in a lot of ways, but they're they're both appreciative of how great the fans are, even compared to the last time they were here, and how awesome it is to be here right now. Max Herr is with the Nashville Predators joining us here on Main Street Sports today. Um, again, a lot of newness around this team. Um, what are the expectations given that, again, you're getting used to a new coach, you're getting used to a new system, that kind of thing. Um, Predators fans have been used to seeing this team be successful regardless of who's on the bench, who's on the ice. I mean, is is that the expectation again this time around? What do, what do you feel like people are looking for out of this team this time around? I think the team's goal, players and coaches, from what we've heard in interviews, is just to continue to get better. And obviously, a lot of that is about learning the new strategy. And a lot of that still is a work in progress, like I said. So I think the goal is to continue to get better. And then the way that goes, be competitive for the playoffs at the end of the season. And how amazing would it be if they made the playoffs this year after missing last year for the first time since 2014? So... I think that's kind of the big picture goal, but just get better is is the way they get there. The team has clearly articulated that. Well, you know one thing they've gotten better at? Power plays. And you know how they did that? Ron O'Reilly. <laughs> what did Philip Forsberg say the other night? It's, it's pretty simple. We just get it to O'Reilly and let it go. <laughs> he's the factor. Works. Here's a reason he's the factor. And uh, it's a great nickname because he got it when he was a rookie because of the O'Reilly factor, Bill O'Reilly. But mm, oh, it's okay. it's so perfect because he he's the X factor. He's the X factor in every part of the game. He's a Selkie winner for best defensive forward. He won the cup with the Blues. He won the Con Smythe for best player in those playoffs when the Blues won. Then he was their captain for a few years, and we got him. We got him for four years. Um and it's unbelievable because he'd never been – this is his fifth team, but he'd never been a free agent before in his early 30s. So, um, I mean, we we can't overstate enough, count our blessings, that Ryan O'Reilly is on the Preds right now. And tonight he's going to be just the fifth player ever to play his 1,000th game in a Preds uniform. Obviously, he's only played nine games for the Preds, but all the players the Preds have had, they've had 21 after tonight who have ever played for the Preds to reach 1,000 games but O'Reilly will only be the fifth out of those 21 to be on the Preds for his 1,000th game. I hope that sentence made sense. <laughs> I, I understood it. Yeah. But, okay, yeah. You know. Max, this is the first of a five-game road trip that continues through Seattle, Edmonton, Calgary, <clears throat> and finishes up a week from Thursday 
where because I can't remember this logo that I'm looking at. Winnipeg. There we go. All right. Um, Max, how do you pack for 10 days? Uh, warmly with where we're going. Um, yeah. No, Here's the good uh, thing. He can wear the same T-shirt three times because he's going to put the same jacket over it. Nobody's going to yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is good news. There we go. Well, this this is my my and you're on radio, right? You're not on, so you're doing the radio. Yeah, but we still wear we still wear suits like the TV guys do. Come on, we don't skimp them on the radio. All right, all right then. So you just wear you bring one suit and seven ties. Uh, I've got two suits, I think three dress shirts and three or four ties. All right, all right, that'll work. It's it's not easy to do though. I mean, do you? I mean, do you get it dry cleaned in the? In between, like, how does that work? No, not a, I, I have not on. visited the dry cleaners on the road. I don't know if other folks are doing that, but uh, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You'd have, <laughs> you'd like, have to ask you don't, don't, don't get mustard on <laughs> Don't yeah. drop mustard on that suit, and you'll be all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a logistics kind of guy, Max. I'm always <laughs> fascinated by the the um, anatomy of a road trip and that kind of thing. So it's it's um. It's fun though, like you said, and traveling with an NHL team to Canada has to be pretty cool. If not yeah, cool. well, and it's it's fun being here on Halloween too. I saw someone who I don't know exactly how it works here with the rental bikes on the street, if that's run by the government or something else, but the individual who was charging them and putting them back in their stalls this morning here in Vancouver was dressed in full costume, including helmet with visor as an NHL referee. So. That's Halloween in Canada. That's fantastic. That, that, that's awesome. That's... Hopefully the Preds will be dressing up as winners Ooh. tonight. Well, that's that's not a costume. That's what we really are. Come on. There we go. And, and, and yeah, no, no question there. They've, they've certainly uh, taken their lumps in Vancouver over the years, but have also not been – I mean, in, in, in reality – you know, you're they're what sixteen and twenty three and one on the road. That's not a bad road record, no, in professional sports. No, that's not. pretty darn good. Yeah. To be is honest. That, is that the all time Chris, is that the all time record in Vancouver? In Vancouver, sixteen, twenty three and one. Yeah, there were some really good Canucks teams during the, the middle years of the Preds here with the Sedines. Yeah. So you'll take that. Yeah, they've 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 had they've they've had some success in Vancouver. Perhaps they will continue that success tonight. Max, it, Max is writing down sixteen twenty three and one. What's gonna be on the internet? Hopefully they'll be dressed up as winners. Hey, anytime we can help with show prep, man, we're all about it. So yeah, um, appreciate we we're glad we can help and we appreciate yours, Max. Um, good luck tonight and stay warm. Thank you. Yeah, I will hopefully see you guys in Chattanooga. My my stay there will probably only be one game. Um, right. But uh, hopefully I'll, you guys will be there the whole time. I know that. So yeah, that's it. We, we hope that is so. the plan. We hope so. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Max Harris of the Nashville Predators joining us here on Main Street Sports today. Max, thank you, sir. We'll talk. Yeah, to you. see you guys. All right. You can hear Max and Hal Gill on 102.5. The Preds Radio Network tonight, uh, pregame and postgame with Pete Weber and Chase McCabe. So make sure to tune in if you are 
so inclined as the Preds are in Vancouver. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will draft our top five professional sports rookie debuts. So stick around. Main Street Sports Days presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be back after this. I feel that happy. Every game, we always have a few. It's no big. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions. And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. Call 615-274-8698 today. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao and Maurice Patton as well as Justin Kulik on the controls with bringing you the great music here on this Halloween edition. Hello, hello. You see I am dressed up as Josh Heupel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Before we get into Top 5 Tuesday, we got to talk about a little bit about Halloween because the greatest costume in the history of costumes was delivered today. And yet, the young man allegedly finished third in his school's costume contest. And I've just got to know how this is possible. Justin, do you have the photos yep. from your it up right now? Your XDM. <laughs> Can someone explain to me how the kid with no legs is not first? Oh my gosh. I don't gosh. understand how that is. No, I don't get that. Sorry. Oh, you forgot to put your microphone. I forgot right. to put my microphone back on. There we go. I don't even understand how that is. I, I'm not real sure what that is necessarily, but <laughs> there's a lot going on there. I mean, is this first place? Is that like Wednesday Adams or something or Exorcist or? I assume it's Wednesday Adams. And this guy in the middle, is he from? Uh, I can't see it close enough to know, but I mean, I don't know how the guy with no legs doesn't win. You ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Oh, I just I, this is amazing. I want to know how he did it. I, I just I got to know how he did it. There's there's got to be more to that. Surely there will be a follow up on that. We've got to know. It is, but the fact that he was third place is just absolute insanity. <laughs> I would just like to point that out. All right. Top 5 Tuesday is brought to you by our friends at Mid-South 5 Fitness. Val is still in the fine folks there. Stillathletes.com, at stillathletes on Instagram, not on Twitter. Uh, it's time for the greatest rookie, rookie debut performances in sports history, following up on the performance from Will Levis over, uh, over the weekend. So... Google random number generator. Tell us what's up. Here we go. I went uh, third last week, so it'll be me first. Let's see. I'm number two. Mo, you'll be number one. Thanks, Justin's number three. So Something I'm up. number one, and then I'm number six. That's right. You got to use No, it's no bueno. Again, so, again the, the, the serpentine nice. helps me at number two. How did this happen? Go. Yeah. It seems wisely. Um, the first professional sports debut that came to mind when I came up with this was, um, and I need to get some specifics real quick. Do it. Uh, 2010 opening day, Turner Field, Jason Hayward, first at bat, yard against Carlos Zambrano. Finished up two for five with that three-run homer and four ribs for the Braves. That's my number one. My number one is going to be Wilt Chamberlain. 43 points, 28 boards in his NBA debut for the Philadelphia Warriors. That's unfortunate because I had that on my list. 
unfortunate for you, not for me. Yes. Justin, uh, your first pick. I'm going to go with um, – let's go with RG3. 19 of 26, 320 yards, two tutties, and no interceptions. Sorry, you don't like tutties. Tugs. No, I don't like tutties. I don't like tutties. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Uh, you, it's your pick again. Your pick again. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go Will Levis from the uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, four touchdowns, 200, <laughs> 239 yards, was it? 38. 38 yards. Uh, no interceptions. Um, four TDs. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. <laughs> your turn. All right. Mine is going to be. Let's go with AI. Dropped, mm. dropped 30 and dished out six assists against the Bucks. You're killing me. In his 1996 debut with no dreads, <laughs> no cornrows, no nothing. But he practiced. He did practice back then. Um, hey, my, number, my number two is um, – Former Houston Astros legend, James Rodney Richard. On September 5th, 1971, this rookie allowed seven hits on nine. I'm sorry, allowed seven hits over nine innings. Gave up three runs, two of them earned. Walked three, struck out 15. You sure it was 15? 15. I'm looking at 17. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. You get it. Now we got to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Because uh, this says 17, so now I got to know. This says 15 here on the Society of American Baseball Research. I guess my my spot might have been a little wrong. <laughs> 15 against San Francisco, two of which were against Bobby Bonds, <laughs> three of which were against Willie Mays. Wow. So struck out Willie Mays three times. Three times. Of course, it was 1971, but still. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go. Wait a minute. That's was, my turn. Was that not your second one? I'm yeah, sorry. That was my second. So one, six, seven, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought yeah. that was your second in a row. No, that was my first. Okay, go um, ahead. My second, Marshall Falk, rushed for 143 yards and three touchdowns on 23 carries in his NFL with the Colts. Marshall Falk is a. Heck of a good one right there. I'll go with Anquan Bolden, who had 10 catches for 217 yards and two touchdowns in a loss to the Lions. Jeez, that's Ouch. brutal. That is brutal. JK? I'm going to go Trevor Story. Um, he homered in his first two career at-bats on opening day. It's true. He did. Icing's that cranky. So... And then for my next one, That's I will go solid. Marcus Mariota. Mm -hmm. 10 for 13, 175 yards for four touchdowns. Uh, finished the game with – no, that was in the first half. Finished the game with 13 for 16 for 209. Had, had more, more touchdowns, touchdowns than incompletions. Than, there you go. That's, and then uh, that's he a good day. led us to the promised land. Not – sorry. Which is, again, why you have to be careful getting excited about one performance. Mm -hmm. That's oh, all yeah, dude, I'm, I'm saying. I'm not getting too hype. I'm just getting a tattoo of Will's face on just, me. 
<laughs> you're, you're just hyped, but not too hyped, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm tinkering my expectations. We're just going to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, the last time we changed quarterbacks after starting two and four, we did go to the AFC Championship game. That's all I'm saying. There you go. That's all I'm saying. We do things weird. <laughs> I am the farthest thing from a LeBron James apologist. But but 25 nine assists, six boards, and four steals in your debut as a, what, 18-year-old in the Fresh league? Fresh out of high school. Your, la- your, your last game was in high school. before The, the high league. school thing freaks me out. I don't know how people go straight from high school into professional sports. That blows my mind. Imagine a guy who can put 25 points on the board, nine assists, six rebounds, and four steals, and you had to play against him in high school. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's just, it's, just, it's, 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 un, it's, it's unfathomable. Yeah, it really is unfathomable. So, so, so you this. got the last two. Uh, I got the last two. Ah, okay. Well, we're going to go to the ice for both of them. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs rookie Austin Matthews became the first rookie not to score a hat trick, but to score four goals in his NHL debut against Ottawa in October of 16. That was a good one. And finally, Wayne Gretzky's first shot resulted in his first goal in the NHL. And it was all downhill from there. No. Yeah. <laughs> Take away his goals, and he still has the most points in NHL history. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah, he didn't do much after that. No, <laughs> no, he was, he was a he was a – Well – Let's go back to when my dad was just about two and a half months old, 1959. Willie McCovey, four for four with two triples and two RBIs against future Hall of Famer Robert Robin Roberts. Two triples. Two triples. <laughs> How many triples did Willie McCovey have for his career? I wonder. <laughs> it might have been. Anyway, Justin, round us out. Let's see. Uh, my bad. I thought that was the last one. Let's go. Let's go. Troy Grosnick with the San Jose Sharks. Um, he set a NHL record for saves in his first ever NHL game uh, with 45 shots to the Hurricanes in a shutout win, 2-0. Yeah, that was a thing. And then UC just just beat it not too long ago, I think. So did he? In this Dude's going to be like, is it going to be like this? <laughs> like, if, this is, if this is what I got to look forward to, I'm forget it. Hey, I knew, I knew I'm new yeah. here. But... <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's Top 5 Tuesday brought to you by uh, stillathletes.com, at stillathletes, Mid-South 5 Fitness. Come back tomorrow. It is NASCAR Wednesday. going to be a good time. We'll talk about the championship race, which is coming up on Sunday with Heather Williams. But and all that and more on Main Street Sports Today. See you then.